Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options. In stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hey, this is Anthony Cirilli, your Flying V Anaheim Ducks podcast co-host here on the Believe Podcast Network. We've got a great show coming up for you, but before the show, let's talk about sleep. Studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins have shown that lack of sleep can lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. We need eight hours of sleep. I mean, myself growing up, we didn't always have air conditioning, so I know just how hard it is to sleep when it's really hot. And one of sleep's biggest problems is temperature. It's tough to get a good night's sleep if you're too hot. I want to tell you about the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool and your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time. In a crazy comfortable bed. Sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, we'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. They already sold out of their first two batches, so they're going fast. For a limited time, get $150, that's $150, off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com pro. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com pro. 8sleep.com pro. Hey, welcome to episode 15 of the Flying the Anaheim Ducks podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, Southern California's number one sports podcast network, the only place to the show for every team in Southern California and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Yep, I'm here across from Husky. How you doing? Anthony, good, man. I'm a little tired today. Lachlan, our two-year-old, was up all freaking night, but uh, we're going to battle through. <laughs> that can be frustrating, absolutely. Uh, definitely uh, heard from that last ad read we did about uh, that what lack of sleep can do to you, so I feel you there. But we have a amazing, just a, a great interview on tap for you guys with former Anaheim Duck, Bed Lovejoy. Uh, just a, a, a really informative, great interview. I, I had a good time with it. What, what were your thoughts? Yeah, he was great. I thought it was really uh, some good insights about his time in Pittsburgh and Anaheim and just a sharp guy. Yeah, I I really had a good time. I think you guys will enjoy it. So without further ado, here's Ben Lovejoy. Happy to finally talk to you and thanks for uh, agreeing to come uh, on for an interview. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, How are things going? How's retired life? How's the family? All that? Um, Retired life is the best. (laughs) Um, 
hockey was was amazing like it was a childhood dream come true but it was really hard and i'm just like to never do it again last year at this time you were probably wondering if you were gonna get sent to another city how is your mental state doing these days just relaxing what are you up to um my mental state is the best (laughs) um i am i I moved to to hanover new hampshire which is where i grew up and you grew up yeah (laughs) um it's it's very cold. It was one degree this morning, um, which um, I've lived in the Northeast for a while, but I haven't been back in New Hampshire during the winter, and it is significantly colder here. Um, so that's been that's been adjustment, but um, life is really good. Hockey was a childhood dream come true to play in the NHL. It was it was the best thing that has ever happened to me, but it was really hard and. I'm really psyched to to never do it again. Um, I I am am a dad. I go to to some like soccer mom workouts in the mornings, um, <laughs> and I I this this year um, I I'm now the volunteer assistant coach with the Dartmouth College hockey team. So I I go to practices and some home games, and um, it's sort of on my schedule and. Um, I don't travel, it's, but uh, it's been fun to be back around, and that's sort of that's sort of what I'm doing with my life right now. That sounds that sounds like an excellent life. Husky just joined us. He's he's right over here. <laughs> man, what's up? How you doing? Good, man. Doing well. Thanks. Have you guys ever played with or against each other at any point in your careers? I'm sure we played against each other, but we we never played on the same team no yeah exactly i guess we'll move move to college when you were playing you played at b came out of deerfield and cardigan mountain before that and then you, and then you played at bc what was it like as a freshman playing college hockey at boston college before you went to dartmouth um i went as an 18 year old and i came right from prep school and i was not ready um i had no idea what i was getting into um I, I was a, a talented, skilled player, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't know the game, and I had a lot of learning to do. And I showed up to BC, and um, I, just, I just wasn't ready to play at that level. And um, was in and out of the lineup. I ended up playing 22 games that year. Um, and just I, I just really wanted a fresh start. And I sort of talk, talked it over with my parents. They said I could leave, um, but I, they, they basically told me that I could leave, but I had to go to an Ivy League school if I was gonna leave a place like BC. Um, so I sort of back-channeled through my agent and family friends and um, had been in contact with Bob Gaudet, who I, I knew all growing up, growing up in, in this area. Um, he's the head coach at Dartmouth College and sort of told him um, I would love to come. Like, I, 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 I love the area. I'm ready to, I, I would, if, if you'll have me, um, I'm, I'm dying to come. And yeah. it, it, was, it, it wasn't easy. I had, to, I had to go through a lot of steps uh, through the Dartmouth admissions process. Um, there's, there isn't much of a back door to get into this place. Um, and I, I, I was able to, to gain admissions, and um, I sat out my first year at Dartmouth. Um, I, I pledged a fraternity. I had a blast. <laughs> um, I was a real college student. I'd go to practices, but 
um, life was good. Um, and it allowed me to sort of, um, regain my confidence, um, figure out, uh, how to be a college student and a hockey player. And it also gave me another 18 months of, of growing up. Um, I was almost 20 now starting a college season when I was actually playing versus, uh, starting as a young 18 year old. And, um, I, I didn't know if hockey would work out, but, um, if I, if it didn't, I would, I would be at Dartmouth and, uh, luckily enough, it, it ended up working out very well. That was a pretty good era for Dartmouth hockey too. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get off Dartmouth pretty quickly, but I mean, you guys had a bunch of guys who ended up playing in the NHL. Nick Johnson, Stepniak, I think was there at the time. You guys, uh, David Jones might've been after you. Uh, um, Hugh Jessamin was, did you play with Jessamin? I did. I played with all those guys. Um, Stemiak started it all. Um, we'd had no NHL players come from Dartmouth. Um, and right out of college, Stemiak sort of made the blues. And I think he scored 27 goals that year. And all of us um, in the, the Dartmouth hockey locker room kind of watched and figured like, oh, this guy's a good player, but um, we think we're just as good. And like, maybe, maybe we can do this too. Um, so he was sort of the, the leader, but then, um, Hugh Jessamine had just been drafted 12th overall, Dave Jones, Nick Johnson, um, me, Tanner Glass, Grant Lewis, um, JT Wyman. We had a, we had a good chunk of guys playing the NHL and, um, it was, it was definitely a, a very good era and, um, a pretty, pretty exciting time for Dartmouth. Nice. So coming out of Dartmouth, um, what was the transition like into the, the pros for you? And did you get an, an opportunity right away or um, how, did, how did that transition go? It was, it was difficult. Um, I signed an AHL one-way contract with the Wilkes-Barre Penguins nice. um, of the American League. And I was making $45,000 and I think I was – I think I was the 14th or 15th defenseman on the organizational depth chart and probably would have been sent down to the Wheeling Nailers. But um, Mike Weaver got picked up on waivers um, when he got sent down by or put on waivers by Pittsburgh to, to be sent to Wilkes-Barre. Um, he got picked up by the Florida Panthers. And so I, I made the team, the Wilkes-Barre team because of it as the seventh, as the sixth D-man. And I played 96 games that season. Um, oh. I thought I was going to die for a lot of it. <laughs> I, I was, ex- I was exhausted. In, in my three seasons at Dartmouth, I played 93 games. In my first year at Wilkes-Barre, we lost in game six of the Calder Cup finals. And, um, just had a, had a, had a good year. It was, there was a lot of learning, um, Pro hockey is is so different. Every step you take as a hockey player is so different. But um, after that season, I sort of turned myself into an NHL prospect in the, the eyes of the Penguins, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and um, I just sort of slowly made my way up the depth chart. And uh, two and a half years later, made made the Penguins, and um, it was it was pretty awesome. You must have come into that organization at a real interesting time. I mean, we're both fans of Spit and Chicklets, and, and uh, Ryan Whitney, I think, was on the Penguins at that point. But Biz, I think, was on the was on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. And then when you got up to uh, to play for the big club, you were, I mean, playing with Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Fleury, Kunitz, some of the o- older veterans. What was that like? It was awesome. So 
Yes. Um, I arrived at my first development camp in the summer and Paul Bissonette was sitting next to me in the locker room <laughs> and the, the, he, he, he'd been sort of ostracized in the organization at this, at this point. He, he has a, a very big mouth and now it's made him very lovable but at the time it was not an endearing quality of his so I'm, I'm sitting next to him in the locker room after the first practice and Jonathan Bambouli comes and, and talks to him and just said where do you see this where do you see yourself in this organization and this is my first like experience with pro media and um, Biz just opens his mouth and is like well I just don't see myself having a place here um and just just went off like for for a while and uh, i'm just listening to this like who i've never heard of this guy who is this like what is going on so um biz got sent right down he, he, he was told he, he he came to he was he was told right away he got sent right down he was in the wheeling nailers for uh the start of the season um and then like february january or february um we were struggling and as a team we were a very good team we ended up losing in the calder cup finals but they called this up and he had been a defenseman his whole life and at this point they they turned him into forward and he fought 30 times in the next 28 oh. games and <laughs> became actually a, a very big part of our team and um, ultimately got hurt in the playoffs and was was one of the reasons we, we may not have won. So I know he gets a, a hard time for his level of play, um, but but he was a he was an asset at that level as a as a player and a, a fighter. And then uh, when you're actually when you're when you make it up with a big club, the 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 guys who the, the household names that we've kind of come to know now and, and even back then right away, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, what was it like? They must have still been pretty young. What was it like kind of learning the ropes with them? It was stressful. Um, it was awesome, but it was stressful. Um, I I believe Sid changed the game in a number of ways, but one of the ways he did it was was his his conditioning and his attention to detail and um, it, all the stories you hear about Sid and how, how intense he is and how crazy it is are, are true for, uh, and you had to raise your level of play to, to be able to be on their team to the, your practice habits, what you ate, um, what you did in the gym. Like you had to raise your game to, to play with Sid, to be to be a part of his team, and it it made us all better. There's a reason that that Pittsburgh has been so successful for for so long with him because guys had to had to come in and, and be better um, to be on his team, and um, it was it was an honor to play with him, and he made me a better hockey player, and he made everybody in that organization better. Yeah, that kind of is pretty consistent. You always kind of hear a lot of those type of things I'm talking about <clears throat> said, excuse me, but is there another guy like, um, as you kind of went through your development as a pro in that, in that year down in uh, Wilkes-Barre or in your time at Wilkes-Barre or your first, when you're breaking in with the Penguins, was there a coach or a player that you kind of, um, felt like kind of helped you, um, 
just kind of especially? Yeah, there were there were three guys. Um, it was it was Brooks Orpik, um, Paul Martin, and uh, Rob Scuderi. They were they were guys who um, were probably were older than I were was, but but took me under their wing. They they taught me how to be a pro, how to play defense, how to how to survive in the NHL, and they're guys that I that I owe a ton to. Um, I tried to model my game after things they did because they were so successful um, and just great human beings. And those three guys went out of their way to help me and the guys that I feel like I I owe a great deal to. Um, And moving ahead a little bit, you get traded to Anaheim. Uh, after a couple years uh, up and down between Wilkesbury and Pittsburgh, it feels like playing for the Ducks uh, really was a, a big transition in, ca- in your career. What what was that like getting traded here, and and how and what ways was that a comfortable place for you? It was the best thing that that could have happened to me. I was I was so lucky. So for for a while behind the scenes, I sort of talked to Ray Shiro about about being traded. I hit my ceiling with that with that organization and that coaching staff and was going to be the the fifth sixth seventh defenseman um that was that was my job it was awesome to be in the nhl but um i hoped then thought i didn't know but i hoped that i could do more if, if given a fresh set of eyes judging me so um ray traded me to anaheim and i knew nothing about anaheim um i i arrived um, knowing who Timu Solani was and knowing who some of the guys were, but I'd never met a single player. Um, got traded, met the team in Dallas, uh, joined them on day one of a 16-day road trip. And it was it was the best thing that, that could have happened to me. Um, I played for Bruce, who ultimately I became very close with and, um, and am very grateful for. Uh, but I played a ton of minutes. I um, was given a, a very big role and got to live in paradise. And um, we we ultimately never won the Stanley Cup with that team. But um, it was it was a really good group of people and group good group of players. And um, I I will forever love my time that I that I spent with Anaheim. I uh, yeah I remember you guys just. There were a lot of wins over those those stretches and a lot of success. And I was wondering if you could kind of maybe give us an idea of because I, I never played for Bruce here. I, I was here when Randy was here uh, the first go around, and I obviously a, a pretty stark uh, contrast in coaching okay. styles. And I, I don't know, could you take us inside and maybe give us an idea of a, of a Bruce Boudreau locker room and kind of his coaching style and just kind of he goes about his business on a daily basis with the guys? He was the best. He was my favorite guy that I've, that I've played for. I, I am a huge Bruce Boudreau guy. And the thing that I think he does, um, he, he, he puts guys in situations to succeed. He puts guys in roles where um, they can sort of stay away from holes in their games. He, he puts guys in 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 fun situations where where they can use their assets to be their best 
And I really felt like he did that for me. And I feel like he did that for a lot of guys. And, um, Bruce has had a ton of success throughout his career, but I feel like he gets labeled as sort of this loose guy who's easy to play for and fun. And, but, um, his practices were difficult. Like we worked hard. Yeah. We we weren't we weren't like a lazy team. It just we didn't ultimately win the Stanley Cup, and we had a team that was good enough to to compete, and we did. And we ran into the Kings a couple of times, and um, ultimately didn't get the job done. And I understand that when that happens, changes are made. But um, I I'm a Bruce guy, and I loved playing for him, and I, I do think he's a very good coach. Did he have a drill or anything when you were playing with him in Anaheim where you're just like, you mentioned you guys had hard practice where, you, where the team was just like, oh boy, this is going to be rough. Like, it's, we're, we're about to sweat. Uh, anything that he did specifically? All the time. Um, you, you see the guy, you don't think that he is about peak performance and conditioning. Um, <laughs> but but we, we worked really hard. We skated... I skated more for Bruce. Like we'd have, uh, we'd have fewer days off with with Bruce than I had for any other coach. Um, and I, I know that that's certain, certainly a Bob Murray thing too. But um, Bruce, Bruce made us work. Like it was not just live in Newport Beach and walk into the Honda Center with flip-flops on and go win games. Like we we worked at it and. Um, it, it was it was fun. Speaking of working and, and the success you guys had, you, your D partner when you played a lot in here in Anaheim uh, on the top pairing, nonetheless, was Cam Fowler. How was it to play with a guy like that and, and see him now continue to be such a success on the team and, and such a big factor? <laughs> Love that guy. Um, he's awesome. He is a, an amazing human being and an incredible hockey player. Just an elite, elite skater. And when I came to the, the Ducks, I was, I was struggling. Um, I, I, not even struggling. I was just a nobody. Um, I, I hadn't played a lot of games. Um, I, I didn't have much confidence. And he, when I arrived, he was out with a concussion. And he came back six, seven games into to me being there. And we were immediately paired together. And I feel like we complimented each other well and my my job was to play good defense and pass him the puck and try to try to put us in and try to put him in situations where where he could use his skating but he he elevates everybody he played with he 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 made me look made me look good and uh, i owe him so much and i send him snapchats every once in a while um he is just a, a very good guy, and um, I was so lucky to play play with him. Um, the Anaheim roster when you were there was kind of an interesting mix of, of the current Ducks and, and some of the vets from from their Stanley Cup days. Do you have any good Solani, Perry, Getzlav, uh, Bozeman, any any funny stories from uh, from those guys, or even the guys who are on the team now that that really come to mind? I don't know. Um, I the guy that I think about. When, when I arrived in, in Anaheim, I didn't know anybody. Um, I, I'd never met a single guy on the team. There was a, a lot of young Swedish guys and then sort of an, an older crew. But 
Um, I just remember walking in the locker room and Sheldon Surrey being the <laughs> alpha male. Uh, I, 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 I walked in his, his wife, girlfriend, I don't know what she was or what she is now, but she was on the cover of Maxim at the time. And this is, this is before like Maxim was still a big deal back then. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting there listening to this guy talk. And I, I, I vividly remember like the first conversation I hear him having, he's explaining to Emerson Edom something about something about his car. And Emerson is like, well, well like what if Emerson's worried about this, I don't know, $300,000 car. Like what's the insurance on that? <laughs> and Shelly just sort of stops him and looks and is like, it's like, bro, when you're rich, you don't worry about insurance. Insurance, <laughs> poor, Poor people and old people worry about insurance, not when you're rich. <laughs> and, like, and like, I just listened to this guy talk, and, and he was he was the alpha male in the room. I mean, you put him in a room with with Tom Brady and Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods, like they're they're deferring to to Sheldon Surratt. So, I just that that was sort of the the environment that I walked into, and it was it was a really cool place, and. I'm so lucky that that I spent spent time in that room, and that I was so sad when I left. Yeah. So from there, <clears throat> the uh, so was it a trade uh, that you got uh, basically traded back to Pittsburgh, or how did that pan out? Um, I did. I got dealt back to Pittsburgh for Simone Dupre. Oh yeah. Uh, who's still on the payroll, I think. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I spent 25 months, um, as a duck and it was, it was my favorite time in the NHL. Like I, I loved it there. I loved living there. I loved being a duck. I loved playing for that team and that organization. And I was, I was devastated when I was traded. Um, I got a, I, so I was on the ice. We were in Phoenix at a practice rink, uh, the trade deadline day and trade deadline is three o'clock and three o'clock rolls around. So we go on the ice and we had like a 45 minute practice. Um, I got off the ice, um, check my phone, just well, what you do. I'm a millennial. We check our phones <laughs> when we get off. <laughs> and, um, I had 44 text messages and, <laughs> was trying to figure out what was going on. Like the trade deadline had happened. Like I wasn't worried. Um, and I, I, I got a bunch of little championship emojis from a Pittsburgh, uh, restaurant owner who I hadn't talked to in 25 months. <laughs> and I'm just like trying to figure it out. And I realized that I get traded. So nobody knows like Bob Murray's not around. There's no management around. It's just, it's just Bruce. So we, we, I, I know because I've got my phone, but we we get back on the bus because we dress and drive in Phoenix, which is ridiculous. Oh, worse. And then go, go back to the rink and I'm getting undressed and like Bruce comes and tells me. And I'm just like, I, I cried on his shoulder. Like I was devastated. Um, I was, at the time, like I thought that I'd go to 28 other teams before I'd go back to Pittsburgh. Like I figured I'd play for KHL teams before I'd go back to Pittsburgh. Like right. it's just, it never crossed my mind. Um, and 
playing in Anaheim was was amazing. Like I just said, my daughter was 14 months. She had sort of grown up so far in Anaheim. My wife loved it. We loved it. Like um, it was a, a very special place, and I was I was devastated. I got over it. I turned out turned out to be great. 13 months later, we won the Stanley Cup. Like <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's tough to beat. It's tough to beat that. But yeah. at the time, I I was very pissed off and very upset. And it's still something that that I I'm. I mean, I'm over it. I've got a great life right now, but I'm not. I'm not completely over it. Like I, I, I loved Anaheim. I loved being a duck, and that was. It was very difficult for me to leave. It's. Uh, I mean, back for a little Hanover, New Hampshire inside baseball. I still. I always think it's interesting. Um, I mean, back when you guys, when you played your youth hockey in Hanover, we were rocking the Whalers jerseys. But afterwards, we had Ducks jerseys, so it was kind of like uh, you ended up ended up with the Ducks, and I mean, they weren't wearing those those old Mighty Ducks jerseys at the time, but. I thought it was kind of a little like weird coincidence, but um, going back to, to still your time in Anaheim, what was your favorite moment? There's that story where you, you broke the record for quickest two consecutive goals by a Ducks defenseman, and if I'm not mistaken, it was right after your daughter was born, correct? Yeah, it, it was my only two-goal game of my career. I didn't score a whole lot of girl, goals, so um, I so my daughter was born. I, I went in um at in the evening um she was born at 10:44 in the in the morning and we played we played that evening um so i i'm getting texts from bruce starting early morning um sort of hey no pressure but let me know if you can go tonight <laughs> um <laughs> and ultimately i did um I was exhausted. Um, it was all adrenaline, but I, I did end up scoring two goals that game, and um, they were both against Briz. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, um, so he walks out. Um, uh, they were consecutive slap shots. I, I stepped into the. I mean, they were. They should have been saved. They were good shots. <laughs> they were hard. They were hard, but they were from pretty far out. Like my goalie's giving those up. I'm. I'm not, I'm not thrilled with him. <laughs> um, and so he walks out to get his car uh, at the valet place. And, uh, the, the guys tell me, the, the valet guys tell me that Briz was asking where my car was because he's coming. He, he wanted to go, go ding it up a little bit. But, um, <laughs> that, that, was, that was one of the best days ever. Um, it was something that I'll, I'll never forget. And um, it was just an, another thing that happened in Anaheim that um, is, is I will vividly remember forever. Um, and not to bring up maybe a, a, a not so great memory in Anaheim, but I, I've always been curious about this, that Sharks game, uh, and maybe, I mean, were you, uh, Husky, were you on the Sharks team when there was, uh, uh, when, when Ben fought Joe Pavelski, was that, or were you not there or had you already left? I think I was already gone. Yeah, I think I was gone. Um, but that that Pavelski fight, I mean, it, you, in your career, you, you didn't necessarily shy away from a fight. It looked like you, you had about one per season. But Pavelski wasn't a big fighter. How how did that kind of come about? And and during the fight, uh, I, I, I remember you kind of motioning to someone, looking up and motioning. Uh, what, could you explain a little more about what, what happened in that in that fight? And then you, you got injured, obviously. Um, yeah, that was sort of the beginning of the end for me um, in Anaheim, but. We were getting the crap kicked out of us by the Sharks, which happened every once in a while. And um, there was a, a scrum later in the game, and 
Joe Pavelski was was mad at me. I don't know why, but um, he was arguably their best player, and he wanted to fight me, who was not even close to the Ducks' best player. So, but that that's a win in my mind if mm-hmm. we're if we're both going to the penalty box. Um, it, it was one of the most successful fights of my career. I I, I pretty clearly won it, but. Um, and there is there there is a very cool picture where it does look like I'm looking at the camera and smiling. Um, it was not it was not on purpose, but um, but then I did break my pinky and um, I missed 49 days. Cool. And during that 49 days, um, Josh Manson got called up and was beginning to turn into Josh Manson. And he's a very good hockey player, and he sort of uh, he didn't really take my spot, but it it sort of pushed me out and pushed me out of the organization and um that i i didn't realize it at the time but that was that was probably the end for me um when you you mentioned that how how kind of devastated you were when you got traded back to pittsburgh but then you get a a real good uh i guess you call it a a, um a pick-me-up a winning at stanley cup in pittsburgh were there lessons you learned with some of those young, or some of those older veterans in Anaheim that you took with you to Pittsburgh that that really helped you? Because your second go around in Pittsburgh was was pretty successful. Of course, um, learning how to win is is a huge part of winning, um, and and learning how to lose. Um, you you realize that that there it truly is one goal, and um, we we in Pittsburgh had guys put aside personal success to, to win a team, team game. And um, winning the Stanley Cup that, that day was the best day of my life. Um, I have three awesome daughters. I had a, a great marriage, a great, a great wedding to the love of my life. But um, winning that Stanley Cup that day was, was better than all of it. It was, it was the best. Um, it is something that um, I spent my whole life working towards and, um, it was so cool to raise Stanley cup. And from now on, I can tell people that, that I won the Stanley cup and I'm a Stanley cup winner. My name's on it. And that is just, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. There's, uh, that's definitely awesome how things played out and what a career and kind of just, uh, what a great story! The kind of the storyline and kind of a winding road and all the ups and downs and it kind of wasn't easy and that always kind of makes things a little better. But uh, like now, so do you still? Uh, so obviously you're you're coaching hockey. I know I walked in a little late here, uh, but you're you're uh, helping out coaching in college. You still watching uh, NHL and following that? I do. I watch um, I watch a lot of NHL. I put it on when I'm cooking dinner and um, usually watch the first couple periods of a game. I don't catch many Ducks games unless they're on the East Coast. Um, I watched them play the Devils the other night, um, but the, the 10 o'clock start time is just too late for me these days. <laughs> um, I So I am a volunteer assistant coach for Dartmouth. Um, I go push pucks during practice and get to know the guys. Um, I've got... I'm, I'm attending something at the, the business school at Dartmouth uh, in the spring, just sort of a, a program to sort of help figure out what's next. And then um, I've been 
interviewing and doing some broadcast or trying to do some broadcasting. Um, I've had a ton of interest, and then once that happens, uh, I've had zero offers. So, um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not sure how well that's going, but uh, it's it definitely something that I'm, I'm interested in, and uh, something that I think I could be pretty good at if, if given the opportunity. So those are sort of the things that I'm doing right now, and um, I, I was so lucky to play for so long, um, but um, being done and being home and hitting the pillow every night at, at 10 o'clock has is, is been pretty amazing too. You sound very comfortable in retirement, but I'm just curious, by any chance, has your agent, your, your agent's phone rang uh, with a 949 or a 714 area code to begin the season looking for, uh, to, gauging your interest in coming back? Because I know the Ducks have uh, kind of had, had some needs at defense this season. Um, not that you would consider it, but, but did you ever get that request? I, I have I have not um, not not from the Ducks. I had um, I had a bunch of interest um, during the the when when I was like I think June twenty sixth, <laughs> right before you can sign. I had a bunch of interest that those days. Uh, very very little interest July first when you're actually allowed to make offers and sign. Um, so I, I stuck around until July 9th and then I, I decided to call it quits. Um, my daughter scored, my two kids started school, um, in New Hampshire, August 26th. And I had two offers come August 28th <laughs> to, come, <laughs> to come play. Uh, but I hadn't skated. Um, I had been going to, uh, soccer mom workouts classes all summer and <laughs> I, I was emotionally and physically done. So that, that's when I when I called it a, a career. Those Zumba classes have to be a, a nice little rest compared to NHL off-season workouts, huh? <laughs> well, there's there some of them like there's a reason some of these housewives look so good. <laughs> these cla- these classes are hard, but it's different than uh, preparing to to go back shoulder checking to retrieve pucks and expect to get hit by by elite athletes. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very content. I'm very happy these days and, uh, life is very good. Now that you're back in Hanover, very last, just for fun question, what's your, uh, what's your favorite, uh, go-to restaurant in the upper Valley to just, just bring back some nostalgia for me. <laughs> well, I don't know how often you're, you're back now, but it's pine. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's, um, um, in when I'm, I mean, going to NHL restaurants, it's, it's just as good. Um, it's in the Hanover Inn and it's sort of the crown jewel of, of the Hanover area. It's by far my favorite. Absolutely. Yeah. Can't go wrong there. We're back where, uh, Zins and all those used to be, um, major, up, major upgrade. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, well, thanks a lot for coming on. Kent uh, Husky, do you have any, uh, any other questions? No, just thanks a lot for doing this, man. I really, uh, appreciate you coming on. It's been great chatting with you, hearing your story and uh, congratulations on an awesome career. And it sounds like you're doing, doing great. And we look forward to yeah, seeing you on some media. I'll be great. Yeah. And tell your, uh, tell your dad and your mom and, and your brother and, uh, your, both your brothers. Hi for me. It's been a long time since I, since I've seen them in person and, and coach Godet as well. He's a great guy. So, uh, tell them all hi for me. <laughs> I absolutely will. Enjoy the weather fellas. We will have a good one. Thanks, Thanks. again. Bye. Bye. Yeah, uh, great interview. Really enjoyed it. I hope you guys liked it. As always, you can find us both on social media. I'm on Twitter at D-E-L-L-I 
T-W-E-E-T-S. That's Delhi Tweets on Twitter. You can go find me there and chirp me. Uh, Kent yeah, is on Instagram. Him. There you go. Uh, Kent, what's yours? Yeah, Instagram, uh, Husqvarna, H-U-S-K underscore V-E-R-N-A. Yeah, and I don't know if you can chirp anybody on Instagram, but you can definitely send direct messages. But uh, <laughs> only compliments to Husky. No, no, no chirping. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next episode. See you guys. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.